0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Cripes cast. This is the podcast where we talk to people for and or from the Midwest. I'm your host, Charlie Behrens, and we are brought to you by Jolly Good Soda. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Cripes cast. Folks, today we have a very special guest. Uh, if you've seen him practical Jokers, you know him. He's doing a whole stand up tour now. Joe Gatto, Justin Milwaukee. Uh, very funny guy and just an honor to talk to him, being someone who grew up kind of watching Impractical Jokers and always being impressed uh, on the stuff they can pull off. We get into the weeds a little bit. We even incorporate some of your questions for him uh, and a super fun interview. Joining me in this intro is the fearless executive producer of the Cripescast, Colleen Maraca. Colleen, Uh, we are, uh, we got some tour dates coming up, uh, and those, I know we got Vegas, obviously Kansas. What, what else is cooking?
1: We have shows in reading is PA Pennsylvania
0: Uh, over there in Pennsylvania. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We have, uh, Las Vegas on October 8th. Then we have a little leg of Kansas, Missouri, Indiana, um, on October 12th, Wichita, Kansas, October 13th, Kansas city. Um, Missouri on the 14th we got Springfield Missouri on the 16th we've got Evans or 15th we've got Evansville Indiana and then we actually just added an early show in Rochester Minnesota on October 21st. So October's got a so lot a of bunch dates. of them. Yeah.
0: A lot of dates in October. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So if you want to see uh, the live stand up show, just had a lot of fun in Chicago this past weekend uh, playing the den. We did a few shows there. And then uh, I got to go to the Packers Bears game and watch the Packers win, watch Jordan Love's first touchdown pass of the regular season. Um, it was awesome. And the Bears, Colleen, um, uh, unfortunately, they still suck. Colleen uh, is not a Bears fan.
1: I'm I'm from, yeah. I don't really have any affiliations. Cubs I, fan though. I just like being controversial. So when I was with all my Bears fans, like family, this weekend, I mm-hmm. was like, "Go pack, go!" And they're like, like they just were getting pissed at me. I just like to say stuff. No, to you're just people you're off. one of
0: those. You know, Miles is that way as well. Yeah. Miles being from Fargo, they didn't really have a football team. So he would always he, and the Vikings were closest. So he would just be a contrarian. So you're one of those yeah. sort of saboteur uh well, yeah. not really football fans, but just I mean someone who gets in the weeds.
1: Yeah, I was born in Chicago, grew up in Minnesota, and then I live in Wisconsin for the past however many years. So it's like and you're then my mom. And then yeah, exactly. And my mom's a Browns fan because she's from Ohio. So it's like there's no, yeah, the only thing, yeah, we, I don't really care as long as like there's a good tailgate. That's all I really care about. Okay.
0: In it for the drinking, my executive producer.
1: (laughs) That in the Instagram picture, where where can I sit center field (laughs) or or, uh, where can I sit on the 50 yard line to look really cool? I will be there. Yeah, You got me.
0: Yeah. You are the worst sports fan. (laughs) I love it. I'm experiential.
1: I like the experience. Okay. Anyways,
0: uh, the game was super fun. I went with Don, who's uh, and his son, Alex, and Don promotes some of my shows. And oh, man, I will say this, you know, being a Packers fan in Soldier Field, you know, at first the Bears were looking good. And by at first, I mean for like two plays. And then so I was starting to um,
1: I was talking a
0: little smack. (laughs) <laughs> I, if, if the Packers are down, it's easier to talk smack, you know, because they're down. But then when they're winning, then I started talking a little bit more smack. But when they really started to kill them and it was really looking sad for the Bears, I had to tone it down. You know, because I, yeah. I, I my Midwest, are, <laughs> like these people were not happy. <laughs> the Bears uh, fans, at least uh, in the general vicinity of where I was sitting, they thought they were going to have a great season. They actually thought it was going to be a winner. And um, as it turns out, uh, looking like a very typical Bears season. But um, sorry to all the Bears fans in advance. I just can't change it. Uh, Packers fan uh, at heart. Anyways, um, that being said, uh, I think we should uh, just hop into it. Get into my conversation with Joe. And uh, quick reminder, folks, if you're looking for any um, merchandise, any show tickets, our Patreon, just go to CripesCast.com. It is all linked up there for you. OK, and without further ado, here is my conversation with Joe
2: Gatto. How have you been? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, fresh out of Milwaukee, actually. I had the show this weekend. Yeah. It's great there. How was it? Oh, so great. I love that town, man. Always good crowds, good shopping down to the third ward, hanging out, got some good food. Oh,
0: yeah. Nice. You did yeah. some
2: shopping down there. Where'd you go? I love it. Uh, my, one of my favorite stores is down there. It's called, I think it's Milford. Is that the name of it? I think it's called it's Milford. Oh, it's yeah. The, the men's yeah. shop. Yeah. Right down there by the park. And when I walked out, the park. It was so weird. I walked out of the park and it was just like class that's sitting in the park around and they're all drawing. It was an art class. One guy sitting in the middle, like on the rotunda, and then everybody just seated around, all the students. And one girl recognized me and goes, Joe. And I go and I look at was Hey, and she goes, can I get a picture? And the whole class was like, what? And she was like, it's Joe. And I was like, and I walked over I like, yeah, and you are in the middle of class. And the teacher goes, all right, let's just get a class picture. So I took a class picture with these art students. That half of them didn't even know who I was. It was very funny. <laughs> do, do you get that a lot? Yeah, I do. I get, I get. I, you know, it's it's funny because like I look familiar, but not exactly. Like they don't know exactly where they know me from. I kind of right, like, right. So like, you kind of get that side. I think. Yeah, you're the guy, aren't you? Who is, he, who is this guy? This guy. And then you always get the one person that's like, "I don't know you. I'm sorry." I'm like, "Don't be sorry. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have
0: to know me." <laughs> yeah, you don't have to apologize for that. It's such a weird thing. I feel like sometimes it's, uh, you know, if you're in that position. I was talking to a buddy of mine who. Uh, he used to get recognized like all the time and then his kind of thing started to fade a little bit. So he, and he was complaining about when he got recognized all the time. And then, uh, as soon as that problem was solved, he was like, my career's ending, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> it's a weird he's got one to
2: have like people forgot, what? forgot about me. Nobody loves me. Oh, sure. I'll take a picture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just where you're standing out there kind of looking around, you know, hoping someone notices you, um, <laughs> So
2: we we have fun when we go shopping, like I'll be with my friends and whatnot. And like, if I want to like, see if I can get like, if we're not getting seated at a table, let's say like quickly, like I'll walk in and if I have like sunglasses on, I'll always do like a big reveal. Like I'll walk in and I'll just go up to the hostess stand and pretend I'm looking. I'll be like. What is, uh, oh, Hey, I'm sorry. Now I'm just looking at the menu. This is the, uh, and I just wait. And if somebody wants to take a picture with me, I'll pull them in front of the host stand. I'm like, Oh, sorry, yeah. this is happening. I'm getting, I'm getting flooded. Could we please get seated? <laughs> and they're like, oh, who are you? Table for three. Just please help us. <laughs>
0: what What is um kind of, I guess first, I just want to talk real quick about Milwaukee. How many times have you um uh, been over to Milwaukee and Uh, Is there do you have any like weird audience interactions? Because I I like to ask that sometimes if if buddies of mine who have done Milwaukee shows, because for whatever reason, there's there's always seems to be something that uh, comes out of Milwaukee. That's a little goofy Any any experience (laughs) with that or Wisconsin more broadly.
2: Well, I will say that I did my first stand up act ever solo in appleton wisconsin i did my first act in skyline July- january of, yes did the skyline in uh, january of 22. um it was my first ever i was with my boy steve byrne my uh, and my friend uh, you know one of the comedian jiggy and we did the show and i did my yeah. first solo stand-up set and it was uh it was unbelievable but it was saturday night january green bay uh <laughs> at my sunday night show the green bay Packers had a game. There was a snowstorm. They lost. People came in and were just absolutely miserable.
0: (laughs) 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 That is...
2: And it was like I was like, this is it. I was like, this is my life. Now I'm in trouble. But the crowds were great, man. It was it was really fun, sold-out shows, like really nice. That 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 uh that club's really great. And uh, but it was just funny that my first thing is there. But I always say, like, it was the whitest crowd I've ever seen in my life, like zero diversity. And I say, <laughs> and I and I I always make the joke, it was like I jumped into a bowl of milk and I was talking to marshmallows. Like, that's how white the crowd was. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a really weird weekend. It was a very interesting weekend for me because. I was just getting into the foray of, you know, being on stage by myself in a stand up format and all that but it was uh it was good. I mean, and like I said like Milwaukee is I've been through Milwaukee a bunch. We played there at least twice with the boys, maybe even three times. And then I've been there solo uh once to Milwaukee and then I've been through uh Appleton and it's just always, you know, it's a, it's a good state for me. It's a good good, good crowds all the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What is um like, so what inspired sort of the uh, transition
2: into up for you? So I had to, you know, I had a change in situation in my personal life and I had to figure it out. So I had to take a step away and, and, you know, things happened and I was like, okay, what am I going to do here to pay the bills? You know? And uh, I also, yeah. you know, live to make people laugh. Comedy is my a love of mine i was like what could i do so i had to talk with my team and they're like well you're a live performer you've been performing live since 99 <laughs> you know so they're like why don't you right get up in front of the crowd and try stand up and i was like okay i was like how does that really work and i got some stand-up friends of mine you know just hashed out some talking and i always in the formats we did with the show it was kind of like when we did the live show with the boys which i toured you know six years, seven years with them in all, you know, these arenas and whatnot, it was just like, basically everybody like told a story and then you chimed in on everybody else's story and whatnot, but everybody even had a chunk. So I was like, okay, well, I have that technique down to being able to tell a story. And so my sets are really just like storytelling. Cause I've had such a crazy, crazy life at this point, you know, crazy 47 years. So I just dove in and was like, okay, what stories are fun to tell? And, you know, what can I tell about my friendship with the guys that you don't see on TV? And I just had so many stories of just like our friendship and, and things. And then it opened up more into like, when I started about, you know, parenting and my dog rescue and all this stuff. So the show quickly evolved from this skyline comedy club show within three months, I was doing theaters because I had this bigger show and so many people wanted to come out and see me. So it was just like, I evolved and I was like, all right, I got to put together a good hour here and i was i'm pretty happy with the hour that i got the uh you know with the product it wasn't just like i'm like all right i gotta go out here to pay the bills but then i was like oh i'm actually enjoying this this is fun people are liking the show so and naturally started a you know a new path of oh okay this is another way i can entertain besides tv movie or live performance with a group let's try stand up and i've really really enjoyed it so that's basically the roadmap to it
0: and And from a guy with uh, like you with an improv background, like um, what sort of and sort of, you know, your career based a lot off of improv, like what kind of elements um, with stand up does improv sort of add a new dynamic to and and what is it kind of not helpful in some some other ways?
2: Yeah, in the beginning, it was helpful because I'm not afraid to try stuff on stage as I'm building my hour, right? So if like, I felt like something hit or I felt something with a joke and I just went with it. I was like, you know what? This might be funny. Let me try to talk about this. And I would just evolve the story. And then when I would see what hits, I would go, you know? Um, But the biggest thing for me is when I got to a theater stage, like I'm like, I'm very, as you know, I'm very physical. Like I'm a physical comedian. I like to be able to move around. And it's like a stage is more comfortable for me because I have more room. Like in these comedy clubs, I was like a little, people are right on you. Like I'm kind of like, it was kind of harder for me to develop. So I think I really like, With the room, I kind of you know of a bigger stage. I think I actually got better and uh, you know blossomed, if you will, (laughs) because I was like I'm I'm like a panther out there. I don't stop moving. You know, I'm I I just like that's (laughs) a kind of I'm just rolling around, like you know. I like to you know see that kind of stuff. So it's it was it was interesting for me. I think the improv in the beginning gave me the confidence just to be like I'm going to try to talk about this, or I see this guy, let me do some crowd work with that and and whatnot. Because we did crowd work in the live shows too. But the big thing with the live shows with the guys was it was four people. You only have to be 25% of the funny. If you try something that doesn't work, somebody's got your back, you know? So it was like right. barely failed barely, you know, with, with when you're up there with your best friends that, you know, are funny and you know, you're funny together. So that was, that was a little bit of the transition. I would say the thing that hurt me the most was I'm not good at memorizing, you know, I'm not good at like re- repetition of it. So in the beginning, like when I knew I was telling my stories, they would be, they were a little static i I'm just trying to remember and not really performing it. If that makes sense, you know, totally so, makes sense. Yeah. So that was, and then I was like, you know what, let me just embrace it and just talk about it. Remember what I want to hit. Do it a little free form, and then it just flowed. So I think I had to get over that hump naturally.
0: Yeah, I mean, did you do a thing where like you know, sort of your punchline to think you're landing on, and then just saying that a bunch to get it on the tongue,
2: yeah, get that muscle yeah. memory, and then yeah, just and find the flip the of rest that too, of it. the flip of that too was like if I said something that I thought was funny, and I was like, I probably have something funnier here. I'm not going to say that punchline. Let me say something else, and I won't think about it till I get on stage. And that's how I found a lot of my stuff. And I was like, that's the one. And then I'd remember it, and then I would incorporate that punchline. Like a lot of my punchlines you know, changed within months of, you know, you know, because some was funny, but some was funnier. So, and is,
0: is this, because since you do have that sort of improv deal, I mean, you probably do stuff on stage that is hilarious and you forget about, do you record yeah. your sets and look back I, at I them, do, or? I do
2: record my sets. I used to listen to them a lot before, but now I perform so often that it's kind of like, you know, muscle memory and I, I'll have the set down. And then I don't yeah. really want to force it because a lot of things that are funny in the moment or because of that moment, you know so like right. if something happens i'll I'll just do that but there is some stuff that has just been fun and i love to incorporate and and move around you know with stuff because i know i like to talk to the crowd too that's a big thing you know I, that's why i'm out here i'm out here with my fans having a good time i want to make sure people are having a good time and you know if i feel like jumping off the stage and going to talk to somebody i'm going to do it you know I've i've done that a bunch where i just jump down and go but I do this thing where I had every show, which is fun. I, I put a cookie in my back pocket. I did this r- randomly. I was on side stage and there was a plate of cookies and I just put one in my back pocket and I went out <laughs> and I was just looked around the crowd. I looked at somebody who wasn't really, you know, there was kind of the plus one, like was kind of in it. There was this guy, this bigger guy. And he just had his, like his arm crossed. he was looking and his lady he was with was like all smiles. And I was like, oh, sir, did you not want to come here tonight? And he's like, no, I didn't. He's like, I was like do you know who I am? What were you expecting? And I named whatever the set was, who was coming next. I think it was like, the Phantom of the Opera was playing there. So I was like, I was like, did you think I was the Phantom? It's so everybody left, whatever. And I said, come here, it'll be all right. And I jumped down I took the cookie out of my pocket and I said, take this, it's on me. And he lost it. And everybody laughed. And I was like, this is funny. So now every time I go out, I have a cookie in my pocket. and I do that bit where I find somebody, but that just came from a moment of a plate of cookies before they announced me on the side of the stage. And I was like, this could be fun. You know?
0: Yeah. 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 And now it's kind of like that thing that, uh, uh can always rescue you if a show or if uh something's yeah. not going great or whatever. Yeah, and it's a, a fun way to start too. Right.
2: Like it's a fun way to start. It's like, you know, this guy's an idiot. Like let's, let's get out there, laugh, have a good time, you know? So
0: right. Yeah. Um, what's kind of been um one of your favorite topics to sort of mind for your stand up? You got your family, you got the work you do with dogs. Uh you mentioned both of those. You got, you know, stories from the road. Um, is it been that kind of stuff or has it been like sort of moments of just observational things in your life currently?
2: I don't have, I don't have much observation stuff. It's really story-based and there is observation stuff mixed in. Like I talk about when I was younger, I wasn't really an athlete. Then I talk about my perspective on sports, <laughs> you know, a little bit yeah. and go even, but it, it's all kind of combined. But I think the th- main thread of it all is basically just getting, a, you know, getting to know about me, you know? So I mm-hmm. talk about everything about, you know, I start with my friendship with the guys and then into parenthood and then growing up with a crazy italian mother is a huge thing my mother was a huge influence she has millions of stories you know i had a crazy sicilian uh mother who was um i was the her baby boy and would do anything to protect me so i have so many stories about me as a geeky child and her coming to my rescue uh you know things like that and then of course just like i've had a very lucky fortunate life where I've just been in situations where I've meeting people and, and stuff like meeting celebrities and just being in places that I've just made these crazy, you know, events. So I like to shed light into that too. Right. Right. And and um for those who don't know, where did you grow up and uh what was kind of your childhood like in your up so I grew up in Staten Island, New York. I went to an all-boy Catholic high school. That's where I met the guys um called Monsignor nice. Farrell. Me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in high school I was I was a mathlete and a bowler go strike force my peeps. And, uh, you know, so I was, I was really, yeah, I was crushing it. So like, I was kind of geeky. Yeah. I was kind of geeky. And then I met the, I met the guys started having fun with humor. I used humor to help me against bullying and stuff. And it kind of worked in my favor. And then we started doing improv in high school together. And I found my love for making people laugh probably junior year, senior year of high school, took that into college where I went to college out on Long Island and, uh, I had LIU post. And then, when I went to college, it was like kind of help with the social skills, you know, the people skills. I think that was the biggest part of it because school came pretty easy to me. I was pretty smart, you know, so like it, I didn't have to put a lot there. But I was my social skills are not great, so I was like really put the time in to be in uncomfortable situations and force myself to come out of my shell a little bit. And I think that really helped. So,
0: but yeah, so growing up in think- Staten Island
2: was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, so, so it, I mean, were you kind of bullied into comedy?
2: I wouldn't say I was bullied into comedy because I'll say my my house was filled with laughter. My parents were a big influence on me because they both loved to laugh. We all laughed as a family. My mother was, you know, I'm a mix of my mother and my father. I think my father was like the silent assassin. He was a 6, three foot, six foot three big dude who could say something yeah. just like one liner is just loud enough that you heard it. And whenever when you were laughing, people would look at you and be like I don't know why he's laughing like that kind of guy. And my mother yeah. was like. A tornado like star of the show took over a room when she came in didn't even try to just people gravitated towards her she had that kind of personality you know so I think I'm a kind of a mix of those two
0: got it got it and then so you got sort of that uh internal um uh comedy mechanics just yeah. naturally through how you grew up And, then yeah, you and go I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed
2: and- laughing like I came from a loving fun house you know and I was fortunate yeah. enough, fortunate enough to have that kind of you know growing up and we had like fun and I was like, you know, life could be fun. You know, you could do this. And then when I was faced with, you know, a little bit of bullying in school, I was like, I was like, well, let me just, you know, be myself and try to make them laugh a little bit. And I remember you know, I was in a situation where one of the football players was like, you know, they were always just like, they were the cool kids, you know, with the all boy, so much testosterone in that room, you know, all boy Catholic high school. There's some boys that were bigger, some that weren't. I was like 104 pounds, you know, (laughs) senior year. So like I would, walk through the halls and there was this one big guy and I would just one day I just like knocked the books out of his hand and I, and I said and I said pick them up and he goes I'm sorry Mr. Gatto and he just jumped in on the joke and it was funny and it did this like reverse thing where like I made him like I made him give me piggyback rides to school to class like it was like really funny like we had just had fun and, and it just really changed the dynamic in the school I think where people were just like there really wasn't really a bullying kind of thing like people would just be like We're all friends here kind of thing. And I I was really happy about that. And you just, you know, used humor. And I was like, okay. And then the improv started and I got better at it because the improv class was like funny. And you like, you worked on being funny and things to say and really learned the trade. So I think it all helped
0: yeah yeah and with improv um did you uh come up with the short form style the long form style what was sort of like the first class you took the first yeah we did um, short
2: form it was all like gamey stuff in high school and then we tried mm -hmm. a long form kind of thing but then when i performed with the guys when we formed our comedy troupe in 99 we did a thing called the armando which is a long form uh kind of Uh, format that's what we performed live in our shows we also played some games and stuff but then we did that armando thing which was fun
0: yeah is that similar to like a Harold type deal yeah it's a looser it's its a looser
2: concept yeah it's a looser Harold's like a more of a structure and the armando's a little bit more loose where you don't necessarily have to tie everything back up together you just it's a little less rules if you will but uh it's it's fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) and uh, how long did you guys like have to um do this in order to like you know, build confidence and know like you had, it was there a moment or something where you're like, okay, we got this. Or was it always like ups and downs?
2: We were so critical of ourselves. We, we practiced in my mom's basement for six months and videotaped ourselves on a tripod. And we used to watch back the tapes. We met three times a week for nobody before we even took our first stage. And the first stage we did was a 50-person theater in Manhattan that we basically invited our friends and family to the show. So there was no risk. It was just like our friends and family in a room who already thought we were funny. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we took a while before we started.
0: I don't think I've ever heard um, of an improv group doing that, though. You know, like yeah. I mean, usually, usually it's jumping into the wild and just letting it happen. You know, and and sometimes that shows on stage. But yeah, uh, I think everybody's process
2: too. I think everybody's process. Like Sal is very meticulous with, and of a very much a fan of comedy. A professional when it comes to comedy, like he is just a guy that likes to know all the boxes are checked before he gets out there and crushes it. So I think that's uh, I think that was part of it too. It was like you know we have very different. (laughs) very different mindsets when it comes to stuff. We laugh all the time, me and Sal, because he's probably the most indecisive person I know. One of the most indecisive people I know when it comes to certain things. And indecisive is the wrong word. Analytical is better. He's very analytical when it comes to things before he makes a decision. Um, And I am very much like, oh, this is the answer. And like, as a group, you know, we, there's four of us. So we'd have to like make these decisions as a group. And I would like, be like, they would, I get the information of like, yeah, this is what we'll do. And it sounded like, well, wait, can we talk? And we would talk for hours and whatnot. And then he would be like, yeah, that's right. Let's do that. And I was like, dude, I was like, can you just <laughs> stop listening to me? Like, we laugh about that all the time. But everybody has their own process, you know? So I think that was part of it. Because um, you got to get there on your own, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and did you, um, uh, did you like transfer that aspect when you went to do stand-up? Like, did you watch uh, a tape back ever? Did you film that? Or was that more his process? And the guy kind of adopted it. Yeah, that was that his was process. His? Mine okay. was, I
2: just got, it. I was like, all right, I'm getting on stage. Let's do it. So I got out there and I did it and it went really well, actually. So that helped, I guess if it, <laughs> I guess if it didn't go well, I would have been like, Oh, I should take this. Uh, but it went really well. So I think, uh, I, I, I think from it, I was more like, what am I gonna talk about? What's funny? And I was when I was writing what I'm gonna talk about, I would be more like, That's not that's not right. I'd be very hard on it. And then I would, you know, say it to my friends that I was doing stand-up with, and I'd be like, What do you think about it? they're like, That's funny? I'm like, I don't think it is. And like, just try it. And then I would try it and I'd be like, Okay, it's funny, but this other story I have is funnier. <laughs> and then I would just like so yeah, that's yeah. what took the hardest part was like building the hour of like, okay, what's the funniest stuff to say together? And I got right. there, you know. But that that was the biggest part of my process was what I, what do I think is the funniest stuff that I could put out there for the time? Because people don't know what they're coming to get when they see me, right? They used to see me on TV in a hidden camera comedy show. They don't necessarily think I'm funny in this arena, right? You know, so when people, I get all the time after it's so funny. It's like the, Two backhanded compliments I get all the time is, oh, wow, you're really funny. And then, oh, you're not as fat as you look on TV. And I'm like, thank you. You know, what I mean? so it's like so weird um, but that that that's that was part of it for me.
0: Folks, excuse the interruption, but I just want to say jolly good soda. Best way to ring in uh, the kids going back to school. Why not kick back and relax now that the kids are out of the house? Crack yourself. a jolly good soda and maybe pour a little hooch in it you know celebrate a bit or for lunch you can uh, send your kids off with a root beer you know <laughs> yeah. get them get them a nice little sugar high for recess uh they'll be the coolest kid on the block put it in their lunch box and uh you know what you could even sweeten the deal for the teacher yeah give a fruit punch to your kid to Drop it on the teacher's table. They'll appreciate it more than an apple and uh, might get them off the hook for uh, some Talking of the class. crap they pulled. Yep. <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. Make it a jolly good folks, JollygoodSoda and Hey, are you one of the many that put their summer project off and now you're getting to it this fall when the weather's not as nice? So you're like, I ah, might as well be in the garage. Well, you're in luck. Fleet Farm has you covered. Check out their huge selection of power tools and equipment from top brands like Milwaukee and DeWalt and many, many more. They have tools for every job, whether you're a veteran handyman looking for an upgrade or a DIYer finishing up your first home project and also I'll say this. They got a lot of great fishing gear for you fall fishing fans. You know, nothing better than putting a perch on a big old bobber, tossing it out into the big hole in Lake Winnebago and hoping a northern comes in and turns that perch. You know, you got to let the perch go a little bit. You got to let that bobber go. Don't set the hook yet. Wait for it to turn the perch in its mouth. Then, boom, set that hook. Colleen is... um, Doing the thing where she's rubbing her forehead, so I'm gonna end the uh, fishing analogy. And Colleen, finally, cast Where can uh, how can they uh, support the podcast?
1: Yeah, so the best three ways to support the podcast. Well, first of all, you can just go to Cripescast.com and do all of these three things. But first, we have new Midwest merch. We're just doing new styles pretty much all the time and there's something for every occasion. So if you go to crepescast.com, click on the merch, you can get anything in there. Um, See Charlie on the road, go to crepescast.com again, click on tour. We have updated dates, new shows. When stuff gets sold out, don't go and cry yourself to sleep there's a good chance we potentially could add a show so just be on the lookout constantly for that and then lastly patreon.com charlie barons to get behind the scenes footage and uh, on the road tour uh footage and all that type of stuff uh patreon.com charlie barons
0: thank you colleen now ladies and gentlemen back to my conversation with joe gatto <laughs> When was it with um, the improv when you guys got the opportunity for the show? How did you, I mean, you had a successful troupe and then how did the show come to be? What was sort of the inciting moment for that?
2: We f- we we failed multiple television show pilot things for a while. So we got a pilot. There was a show called uh, It's Your Show, which was a comedy show that was happening in two, the early 2000s. And it was during a time when. You know when uh, the internet was big and everybody was like, how do we put the internet comedy on TV? Like this is one of the formulas they came up with. It was a show hosted by Carson Daly for Fox that was – I'm sorry, for NBC that was basically America's Funniest Home Videos for sketch groups. They would give you a topic. You would have to make a sketch about it. When you made the sketch, it would go online, and then people would vote, and you'd win a 1000 bucks. At this point, our mailing list was huge. We basically just cooked the pot. We just like put up a thing. Our stuff was funny, but we would just put up a thing, and then everybody would like you know vote that we asked to from our mailing list to go to this thing. So we won like ten different of those challenges. So we won like ten thousand bucks. It was great. And then they were like the pilot got picked up, and they were doing a hundred thousand dollar grand prize for three of the, uh, three finalists, and we were one of the finalists. So we had to make a a video for it. So we made the video, we won the $100,000 and the pilot never aired. It was a failed pilot for, I never went to, it never went to air and they still had to pay us. So we won $100,000 for no reason. <laughs> um, so that didn't go. We were like, unfortunate that we were like, oh, that was going to be a good break for us on TV. But the people who produced the show, the produ- production company saw our tape and was like, oh, these guys are funny. They should have their own show. And we tried a sketch show it yeah. failed We tried another one it failed and then eventually we came up with the idea we're jokers and we took that out and the rest is history <laughs> yeah
0: it's tough to get um like improv and sketch shows those kind of have their day on tv i feel like it kind of comes and it goes you know i have yeah. did you notice that was that was that part of like i feel like you know you have the Chappelle show you have key and peel uh, Amy Schumer, right. all sort of sketch based shows. Those are hot and then they kind of go away. Yeah. And they come back again. Yeah. You know, I mean, hey, you, you, you go, go back. Even, you,
2: if you hit rewind a little bit, you know, you have, you have Mad TV, you have uh, SNL, you know, you have SNL, in living course. color, right? Then then it's down. Yeah. Then it comes back up with, you know, Chappelle and all that. So I think, I do think there's an ebb and flow to that stuff. People want it then. But now I think the real home for sketch is really the internet. I really think it is the yeah. I don't know if people can watch it on TV as much, but I think sketch really crushes on the internet. Um, Which is funny because it was like – it was king for a while on television, you know. So – but you never know. Like, you know, sketch kind of finds its own format, you know. Like, you could argue that Nathan For You is a sketch show too, right? Even though it's like a reality kind of thing, you know, but it's kind of really – uh, heavily sketched. i mean you could even argue that jokers is i mean jokers was heavily like prepared we were you know we wrote jokes thought things that we thought would be funny you know of course stuff went out the window like when somebody walks in with a big hat on you're like joe you gotta get that hat on <laughs> you know what
1: i mean yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. But, like
2: it's like a lot of the jokes we like we'd think about what could be funny to do in these scenarios and you know and we, we made characters i have some uh, you know i'm known for some of my famous characters on the show you know that we played and um, especially the punishments they got, they got a little bit more care, like me, me as captain fat belly, is just a straight up sketch really, you know, in the form of a punishment. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think, I think it's, it was just like, how can we be funny? And what we do is we make each other laugh. So that's all we showed America. Like the show was more about friendship than anything for me. It was like people right. really took to it because you saw people being people. And I always said, even when we did improv back in the day, as long as we're having a good time, people can have a bad time watching people having a good time. And I firmly believe that. So I carry that throughout my approach to comedy all the time. Like if I'm having fun up there and I'm having a good time, I think people will, it's infectious, you know.
0: Yeah, the audience is in the mood of the performer yep, kind of a for thing. sure. And you guys are also, you know, one of the masters of like found comedy, like you, what you said, where yeah, a hat comes in, it yeah. all goes out the window. Um, you know, is that just your improv? background that really uh makes you guys that great at that or is there it's some other dynamic definitely
2: that but it's definitely the dynamic like i know like when we thought of something i be like oh sal would do this funny or like oh let me write this for q like it, there's something about knowing what your friends do funny right yeah so like when it was like whatever like so if you think of some of the classic things we've done you put somebody else in it i don't know if it's going to hit as hard it won't be as good i think we did a really good job of like Quote unquote typecasting, like what, what, who, who, who should get what or what we should do to people, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's similar to like a, a sitcom that you love. Like yeah. you, whatever the situation, you sort of imagine the main character of that sitcom, what they would say in that situation. Sure. You, so you guys, yeah, your characters are just so. Yeah, yeah you're, you're writing fine. for
2: George. You're writing for George. You're writing for Kramer. What do you, you right, know, it's going to be right. completely different, you know? So it's like. I think you know know what it is. If you want somebody to be, you know, knock weird out of the park, you're picking Murray. Like the guy just knows how to be creepy and sell it and just like be like odd and not break. Like he's like good like that, like being odd, you know. But, you know, if I come off as odd, I come off a little bit more crazy (laughs) where he comes off like very convincing that he's weird, you know. Like so I don't know if that's people's personalities and whatnot, but it's it's a little bit like you know what it is. Like I would have an idea for something and, and there'd be times where we would be like, okay, you know what? Cause we've come up with punishments in the beginning and be like, yeah. all right, these are the punishments. And then we'll just slot it out. You know, we know everybody's going to lose X amount. And then when it's time to go, we'll do it. And then when you write a punishment, it's like, we look at them, like, all right, we don't have enough for, <laughs> we don't have enough for Q. So we would tell Q, for instance, we were like, all right, we don't have enough for Q. So we would tell Q to come in at noon and we would come in at 10. So we would sit with the writers for two hours, just thinking about ways that what, what could Q do funny and what would he not like to do? And like all, there's so many different aspects of it, you know? Um, and then we'd come out with you know some some of the great stuff, like I still think no one could have pulled that tram stopping the tram at Universal Studios as good as Q did. like that was unbelievable. <laughs> that was so hard to do, and he just wore it, and like, I don't know if any of us could have been able to do it as well as he did or as as much as he did. like it was crazy,
0: yeah, oh my god, no that I mean that has me cracking up. It makes me think I'm actually gonna get some um um. Uh, we have a couple audience questions, but while we're uh, getting yep. to that, I'm I'm curious myself. I mean, you guys have season after season after season of amazing show. Do you have like, is there a moment that stands out as your favorite?
2: Yeah, I mean, this, there's so many. I mean, it, I did over 300 episodes of TV, you know, over a decade of my life is that I'm very proud of the product and being part of that legacy, you know, and making that show what it was. I I think I will say my biggest gamble that paid off and nobody really believed M- believe that it would work was the mind uh when we mind fucked sal for his punishment where he didn't know if he was getting punished or not <laughs> so we had this idea i had this idea like <laughs> sal is his own worst enemy where i know sal gets in his own head and i was like you know it could be really funny if we just send sal into a friggin tornado uh, in his own mind so we did this thing where we were filming a <laughs> challenge in in uh in, in union square park in, in the in the promenade where we always film and we just had all these little things come and we just keep going to Sal. Well, it's your punishment. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. And we just kept flipping it on him and he, you could watch him wind up and just go. And it was one of those things where we had to code with each other, especially by the, I think that was in the sixth or seventh season, but whatever season that was, like right after the third season or second season, when we all knew what we were doing, we would just be like, guys, I'm, it's going to work. Let me do it. And you would just look each other in the eye. If somebody said that, end the conversation, you know, it was really by committee of everything. But <laughs> there'd been times when Q would be like, yeah. it's going to let me do it. And I'd be like, OK, like it, it's everybody's show. Right. So the punishments were always hard because everybody had to be on board. And we were Q and I were just going back and forth. He's like, how is it funny? I'm like, it's it'll be funny. He's like, you're just going to have a guy come with cement and you think Sal's going to think that he has to step in cement. I'm like, Yeah. He's going to have nice sneakers on. He's a sneaker whore right now. So he's going to have great shoes on. And what does he say in the cut? He's like, oh, my God, I can't stop these shoes. And I'm like, and like when he said that, Q just looked at me and he was like, you're right. <laughs> and he jumped in and we had a <laughs> yeah. blast. Like it was such a good time to do it. Um, and I think that's one of the ones I'm most proud of because it also speaks to how well we knew each other. You know, it speaks to yeah. what the show was really about. You know, that is that one. That one's one of my favorites. And the other one that I couldn't believe we pulled off was the long con on Sal where he really thought he was going to get arrested for grabbing that nose on the uh <laughs> yeah so he he thought it, it, we had filmed a challenge and because a lot of behind the scenes stuff is crazy we had filmed a challenge where uh we were playing get, i'm gonna get your nose and sal jumped up on uh, a federal building and grabbed the statue nose of a statue we all laughed. it aired two months later in the production office there was a letter came in and our our showrunner came in and he said guys he's like i have to go to a deposition because uh, we trespassed on public property and put it on air and we're like, what? And he showed us the letter and we were like, again, like, the writer's room, we're like, this is stupid. Don't worry about it. Well, blah, blah.'" He's like, I know. He's like, I know it's dumb. We got, but I got to go, whatever. So he leaves the room the next day I'm in for a meeting. I did a lot of the production. So I was there a lot, like getting in there, talking about scheduling and all that. That's what I loved. So I'm in there. He gets a letter. Yeah. He's like, Hey, he's like, they called off the thing. Uh, they called off the meeting. And I was like, and I just went, no, they didn't. I said, they didn't call off the meeting. This is going to be a Sal punishment, and he's like, What? I was like, We're going to make Sal think he's going to pay a fine. And he's like, What? I was like, Yeah, I was like, We're going to make this a whole dragout thing over a year, and then we'll make him go next season because we had just got renewed for the next season. So I was like, So yeah, I, yeah. Knew, I knew it had to sit forever, like, I, and we just kept dropping hints about it. Like, every two months, I'd be like, Oh, and he'd come in, and he'd be like, Pete was great, he'd be on like a fake phone call, and he'd hang up, like, Oh, I was like, oh. I'm like oh, What's the matter? He's like, He's like, This stupid thing, I gotta go. He's like, Now they want Sal to come, and so I was like, What? I'm not going. And I was like, I was like, all right. And then he's like, I know, I'm, I told him that you can't go, blah, blah, blah. And then he did this whole thing where he's like, they made me submit the production schedule. They know we're off this day. He's like, we got to go. And so we talked Sal into going, we set up the room, like completely. We used all sorts of different hidden cameras that we never used because we knew Sal would be able to find them. So we literally like bought the next level up of equipment that like we knew Sal wouldn't find. It was like, there was a camera in her water bottle. Like it was insane. And right. the, the ladies that would, and it went exactly as planned. It went exactly as planned. <laughs> um. So I was proud of that because that was a long con and, you know, it could have got messed up at any time. Exactly. I love that. I mean, the nice thing is, as as the show progressed, you guys knew each
0: other better and could do those kind of more intricate things. But also when you're filming out there in the wild, you know, people are recognizing you. So uh, did that. You know, create more barriers. How'd you get around that? The hardest
2: part for that was it wasn't we could tell when people recognize us. That's not a problem. Like you could tell people turn into a robot and they're like, Oh, and we see them on camera coming a mile away before they even see us. So we'll see the moment when they recognize Sal and they're trying to play it off because Sal doesn't see it. And they'll walk up to like the burger counter and be like, Oh, one cheeseburger, please. Like they turn into a robot. They don't even know how to act, you know? And you could tell. But the hardest part for us was like when we're in the park and we have somebody on the hook and we're nailing it, somebody comes flying over and it's like, Joe, can we look at a picture? and you get recognized by a, a bystander. So what we had to start doing was our production team would form a barrier around us, like literally a dance circle. It felt like where you have this person <laughs> locked in and everybody's pretending to be doing something around us. And if somebody came in, they would like swoop in and grab and be like, Shh, we're filming, we're filming. So that was like, that it's was like a hard the thing. the Truman show. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It was like that. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> you
0: guys got the hot dog vendor on, uh, it's <laughs> just a PA named Larry. That's from exactly Michigan. right. Yeah. 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 It was right. We would like send that. them
2: out, flock them out, like, would just go like tackle people it'd be great
0: <laughs> um do, do you have uh any sort of when you're not working when you're not on the road doing anything do you have any like guilty pleasures like hobbies or just things that, that you video game
2: doing? video games uh lego sets um oh you're a lego guy huh yeah i do like i like i like legos i have like five unopened boxes right now because i just I was moving, you know, moving back into the house and I had stuff at the apartment and but I just like, I forgot all these ones I bought. I just didn't have time to do it because I was on the road so much. So now that I'm back at the house, I like moved it back in and, and Bessie, my wife was like, uh, she's like, and I had like five boxes of Lego. She's like, oh, she's like, are we going to do these together? I'm like, well, I bought them for me, but we could do them together. Cause we used to do it like it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I have one of my favorite, my favorite ones right here. Look, I'll show you. Oh, they sick. Yeah. The Lego Adidas. This is one of my faves that they
0: did. Oh, my God. Really cool, right? That's incredible. Yeah, that's
2: one of my faves. How, ma- how many Legos were involved in that one? That one was, uh, I forget, I think it was like 1,075 or something like that. I mean, I have a, one. I'm sitting on, you know, I did the Ghostbusters uh, thing. I did the Sesame Street, you know, I did the Ecto-1, I did that. But I have a, a typewriter, which I'm really excited to do. It's like a typewriter one they did. Um, yeah, you know, I had the home alone house that we put out there on Christmas. We did that together, which is fun. And my kids are getting a little older now. My daughter wants to start doing them with us, but they're a little too out of her range.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So did, did you get started doing Legos when you were a kid or where'd that come from?
2: I was, that was my thing. I was super creative. I wanted to be an architect when I first started, um, when I was young and then my dad made me be an accountant but yeah I, uh, I really liked <laughs> i really liked legos Legos was probably my favorite toy growing up and now that my kids love like my son's obsessed with them too i had two toys i love legos and pipeworks do you know what pipeworks were Pipe works with these like PVC pipe. pipes that had connectors and you could build whatever you wanted out of these things. Those are my two favorite.
0: Yeah. What? No, no, no. What were those called? They were called on, they weren't Lincoln logs, but it was. No, um, they were bigger. They I like, know they, it, you
2: make it like make a go kart. It had like a wheel in them and stuff. Like you could sit and like, for oh, humans. yeah. Yeah, they were bigger. Tinker yeah. toys. Tinker, Tinker toys. toys. Well, no, yeah, Tinker, but no, but they were. No, they were huge. Like they were the pipes. It's more of, of a babe. badass version. Yeah, it was like that. Was like a. It was like you could make like a sword and a shield. Like it was like oh nice play toys. Yeah, you can make like a you know climbing thing and stuff. It was basically like little. I don't know. I think they were safe, but <laughs> <laughs> my kids have a version of them. I found them on Instagram and like, I got a version of them for them. They love them. So does that kind of scratch that,
0: uh, that early childhood, uh, passion yeah. of yours? That for scratch sure. that itch? Or do you, yeah, I mean, that's the best yeah. thing
2: about kids is you relive, you relive your childhood with them. You show them your favorites. My daughter's just getting into movies. She loves movies. And we started watching stuff together now. Cause she's like eight. So we just literally watch like, uh, you know, I showed them a lot of the classic Disney they hadn't seen before, but then we just like for the first one, she wanted to watch something scary, but not too scary because she, she likes horror. She likes scary. Like she was Pennywise for Christmas, uh, for Halloween, Yeah. <laughs> for Christmas. That'd be um, <laughs>
0: yeah, but she yeah, uh, but...
2: <laughs> she wanted to watch something scary. So we watched Ghostbusters, the original, and she loved it. It was really Ooh. cool to watch that with her. You know, she's eight. So it was really fun. She got freaked out <sighs> at a couple things, like the librarian scene and when Slimer comes at Bill Murray. Uh, those two things got her a little bit, but she was, did really good. She liked that. So. Is that is that the one Gozar's in? Uh yeah, yeah. She didn't she didn't, she didn't mind she didn't mind the No, no, okay. two's the guy, two's the guy in the painting. What's his name? Oh, that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah, but the right. first the first yeah. one, she she didn't mind it. She's not scared of that stuff. And we also watched I couldn't believe she wanted it. we watched Godzilla versus King Kong, like the new one. And like she loved Ooh. it. She she loved it and I was like, That's yeah. you know, that like Godzilla, those fights are kind of scary. And she was like all into <laughs> it. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: great. You ever do any uh practical jokes on your kids? <laughs> no. I don't. I don't bring my
2: work no. on for me, yeah. <laughs> or Bessie. It's like that what we do. Yeah, I don't. Really, you know, I'm right. not really like. I'm. A, I'm more like. A, you know, I, I, with my friends, I'm more of a gotcha kind of guy. You know, but my like pranks aren't like. I'm not mean spirited with my stuff. Like I like to do stuff yeah. like that. I know that they're going to laugh too or be annoyed with uh annoyed at maybe the annoyance which will make them laugh you know that thing that you could do with your friends where they're annoyed at you but then they can't help but laugh at what happened um right right so like that's that's really my thing and i'm a little brother you know i have two older sisters and my my favorite mark is my middle sister carla like like i like annoy her (laughs) like nobody's business and she like hates to love it (laughs) if that makes sense you know we have a great time together yeah and I see she has two boys, and I see her boys like emulate that. And I'm like, ah, we've trained them well. She's like, you're <laughs> such a pain in the ass, uncle.
0: <laughs> There's some about having a sister that gives you just a pass to be a jackass. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I've got eight of them, so I oh I'm wow. well uh, accustomed in that. How many whole, brothers? Uh, scenario. I got hmm. uh, three brothers, eight sisters. So all from the same. You know, from the same. All from the same deal. You know? All same parents, the whole deal, man. I'm one of 12. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Where yeah, are you, where you in the lineup? Where are you in the lineup? Second oldest. You're Two the 12, second oldest?
2: Oh my goodness. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, yeah, so you're, you're, you know, as the youngest, I know your type, you know, yep. I, I That's got it.
2: That's me. Mom, stop it. <laughs>
0: See, I went, <laughs> you got any phrases that like, uh, sort of Staten Island phrases, like there's a lot of Midwest phrases that we kind of say, uh, uh you, you know, like bubbler or screwed the pooch or, you know, yeah. you got a bag of bags, you know, culturally speaking, what kinds of things do you kind of bring from your home out into the world and people are like, the hell
2: is that? I, I think three sayings probably, well, what's the action is the big thing I always say when I'm talking about like, what's the discount? How long's the wait? It can mean whatever. I'm going to go up to like a host. like, what's the action here? And I like, well, like, how long's the wait? You know, it's like, what's the action? I always you know, say, um, I grew up in Italian, you know, with my uncles and everything. So on the broch is a big one. When, when it's like something's free, it's on the arm, it's on the broch. You know, it's like, what's it's on the broch? And then I call money, Scadol. So, like, I am mean like, what do you call it? Scadol. I mean, like escarole oh, yeah. is the Italian, like, you know, leaf green. And it's called, you know, Scadol yeah. is a slang term for it. So I was like, uh, you got the Scadol for us. So I got to stop and get some Scadol if we're <laughs> going to the casino, you know, like that <laughs>
0: <laughs> those are great yeah. those those sound like a lot more cool than I think you know we call yeah. like a water fountain a bubbler you know oh People I got you if you're looking for something like for- that
2: I don't think no nah, I don't think I had anything too weird like that yeah I
0: mean y- y- the the shkidol, did yeah, I say that right money. Shkidol? Shkidol, yeah okay
2: yeah <laughs> you could even call it skjad if you want you'd bring it down to skjad <laughs> <laughs>
0: i love that all right i know you got a, a heart out here so i just want to rip through uh, a few more of these uh, audience questions we have what was your first job
2: i scooped ice cream at the big apple bazaar for my dad's friend tony who paid me cash under the table four dollars an hour <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then my first out. real job was at party city i was a stock boy for four years at the party city there and in, uh, in staten island
0: Oh nice. Okay. All right. Uh with, did you have any um with, with that money under the table? How long did that whole scenario last? It was a summer.
2: It was a summer. It was a So it's just one summer, first summer yeah. Okay.
0: 14-year-old gig. Got it. Got it. Uh who were your uh comedic
2: influences growing up? Mel Brooks for sure. Um hands down. I think Mel Brooks. Like I liked comedic movies really. I was like a movie guy like I told you. I would say Tim Allen mm-hmm. too because and my dad used to watch Home Improvement and his was one of the first um, stand up hours. I remember like seeing watching with my dad. Um, I would say him, Richard Jenny, was another one that I, I watched. Um, I would say Looney Tunes as well. The you know, I would say, the you know, those, uh, that kind of comedy, um, slapsticky kind of, you know, physical stuff definitely was it. Airplane, of course. Um, airplane, huge one Oh my god, yeah. And you know, Zucker is like a good friend of ours now too. And I can't believe that you know, he's such a cool dude. That's and, you know. Yeah.
0: Isn't that crazy to get to a point where like your hero becomes uh, one of your buddies? A buddy. Yeah. Like texting me on my birthday. It's like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to touch on um, sort of the work you do with um, uh, animal rescue or dogs specifically. Like where did that all come from? What's the story there?
2: Yeah. So last November we launched Gatto Pups and Friends, my nonprofit out here in New York. And we went from basically a hobby of just rescuing dogs to be like, how can we make a bigger impact? And we were like, you know what, we could start up and start finding homes for these dogs. That's not just our house. (laughs) So we started uh, adoptions. We actually just did our 36th adopt out yesterday. We got two more going today. So it's like, it's been going really well. Um, And it came from basically, we had bought our first dog cannoli 10 years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And she had a lot of health problems. And within the, Within a year, I had to spend $4,000 on surgeries to fix her. And we, like, it made Bessie go down this rabbit hole of, like, puppy mills and whatnot and educate ourselves on, you know, that whole thing. And then shelter animals and the put-down rate and no-kill shelters and what they go through. And, you know, so we got our first rescue, Biscotti, who's my favorite dog. Don't tell the other <laughs> ones. Um, and she... uh just changed our world, like rescue. Like she was super appreciative. Like when we met her, she was on a leash with her tail between her legs. Nobody could really go near her. She would growl like, or like not happy, not like aggressive growl, just like not happy, She'd tail between her legs. So we were filming in Manhattan and Animal Haven's a big organization in the city and they had biscotti she showed me a picture of her online i'm like she's super adorable and i was like can we get a second dog i don't know we'll bring canola down we'll meet her so we were going to go meet her but i was filming in the city and it was the one day we actually got shut down by the police because somebody complained we were playing shoe shiners and somebody complained we had to show our permit we had it and they were like look they're like these people aren't going away you guys just got you got to go today so we just because we were there all the time and we didn't want to lose the permit of the park so i was like okay we'll just go we already got good enough turns so we left and I called Bessie and I was like, hey, I'm two blocks around Malibu and They close at two, grab cannoli in two hours, grab cannoli, come down here, we'll let them meet. And as soon as they met, their tails went up. They were like sisters, they were great. I was like, all right, we'll, we'll take her home. So we took Biscotti home and within 24 hours, she climbed on my lap and I fell asleep on me. And I was like, oh my God, this, this is the same dog. Like it was like, you could tell it was happy and i was like okay this yeah. is a calling here so we just started doing it and it's been fantastic i started out here on long island uh, our rescue we have a sanctuary in the home we have an adoption center in town here on in glenhead and uh it's uh, it's just fantastic it's been really 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 good work and my kids are part of it you know my family's part of it my house is full of love and dogs like there's not like coming home to a pack of dogs you know so it's uh it's really cool
0: yeah that's awesome, man. Um, Is there a way for uh, people to get involved on their own yeah, uh, sh-
2: with it? For sure. Yeah. Gatto Pups and Friends is the name of it. So you go to gattopupsandfriends.com. You know, we accept volunteers, Uh, you know, donations of, you know, blankets and and whatnot, monetary, and then uh, or just follow us on Instagram and just share our dogs. Gatto Pups and Friends is the handle on Instagram. And, if you, you know, the power of social media when it comes to dogs is phenomenal. So just sharing posts and, and uh, you know, liking and just sharing getting us more followers just makes our mission easier. So
0: Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, last question, the last minute we have left, what is the recipe for the perfect practical joke? The recipe and there's only a minute.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I would say, I would say the best, the best thing is co- Hold your, hold your cards close to your chest. I think the more people that know that you're trying to do something, the easier it is for it to get ruined. So I've pulled stuff off over okay. years without anybody even knowing it. That seems like it's just for you, but you'll, it'll have its moment like I was signing up Sal and I never told anybody, but I was signing up Sal for every mailing list I came across between the years of 1999 and 2009. And (laughs) like, literally like if you think about how many mailing lists you come across, like I would use his, his phone number home and his email address and like anything from like, you're out in a, you know, a bookstore and it says, Hey, you want to find out about our weekly newsletter right here? And then we're calling in to places to get it. Like I called Sealy, uh, I, I called tempur mattresses and I got him a home kit sent to his house. I signed up as him, like one of these. And I still remember for, I did it for like a decade. And the, he caught me when we were filming the pilot for jokers, we were in a bar yeah. where we were doing this thing. It didn't, it never aired the, the joke we did there, but uh we were doing this thing in this called johnny utah's it was this bar with a mechanical bull and we were there doing a punishment for mert and it didn't work out so we didn't do it but i was signing him up the shot girl was going around it was like hey do you want to sign up to find out about our special every week i'm like absolutely and i'm signing up and sal walked over to talk to me he looked down and saw it and it was a kaiser sose moment where he put it all together he goes hey that's my mattress and it, he looked at me and he went and it just all clicked and his mouth dropped he turned white and he looked at me and he goes did you send me a Tempur-Pedic mattress? I just <laughs> lost it. And I lost it. And, no, and Q came over. And, like, and I was like, I just told Sal about to Sodom up every evening. And we just recapped it for like 20 minutes. And it was very funny. So I would say the that's long the number con one. Always, the long con is always the best the best pay put in the time put in the
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> put in the time exactly so. well thank you so much i can't i can't thank you enough uh huge fan i appreciate your time and uh yeah i hope to see you on the road sometime soon De-
2: thanks charlie yeah if you want to find out where i'm, I'm touring just go to joe uh joe gatto official uh, or just follow my instagram at joe underscore gatto and you can find out all my tour dates come on out have fun laugh a little bit because life sucks we just got to suck harder and that's the rule <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it, man. All right, hey, buddy. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, buddy. All right. Take care. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye bye. All right. That is it for this week's episode of the Cripes Cast. Huge thanks to Joe for coming on the show. Make sure you follow Gatto Pups and Friends at gattopupsandfriends.com. Follow Joe anywhere uh, he is. He's uh, Joe Gatto official or Joe underscore Gatto. Um, and then you can also go at Gatto pups and friends. You can find them on social media as well. Um, you can follow Cripescast at Cripes where you get your podcast, patreoncom slash Charlie Barron's behind the scenes. First look at concert tickets, um, some crowd work from the shows. We got all that up there. Check it out if you like. Uh, and thank you guys for listening. Colleen, thank you very much for uh doing your ep work thanks to hannah milos for editing and everybody enjoy the uh fall and uh we'll see you next week
2: so roll out the barrel and get the band brewing life's got you down
0: just keep her moving it's on wisconsin the badgers say it's the old wisconsin jubilee you know sometimes when you're ice fishing you put your foot into walleye hole and go ass over tea and you think you're done? No, you gotta keep her moving.